This is East Carolina defensive coordinator Blake Harrell, and you're listening to the Sports Objective, the podcast for Pirates. Welcome in to the Sports Objective, not uh, sports-related tonight, as we're using the, our platform to talk about Martin General Hospital, um, save the hospital, and uh, when I thought about a guest we could have, uh, I, full disclosure, I want to invite my own doctor, Dr. Stephen Manning from Access Medicine. Doc, uh, great to see you. I hate us on these terms, but thank you so much for coming on the show tonight. Yeah, great to be here. So first off, I want to give you a chance to plug uh, Access Medicine and tell everybody what you do and your background. I know with graduating, you're a pirate, which, you know, that fits the program. Yeah. Um, but you, I know you graduated from the Brody School of Medicine. I did. Um, loved it. Uh, actually went to undergrad at ECU as well. I uh, did my medical training there uh, and then stayed for residency for three more years. So I'm a pirate through and through. I've uh, been in Williamson now since 2011. I uh, worked at the hospital as an employee for three years, from 11 to 14, and then started my practice here uh, in almost 10 years now. So um, Access Medicine is a direct primary care practice, which basically is, is unique in that we, um, we don't bill insurance for our services. Uh, we charge a, a low monthly annual uh, quarterly fee, whatever, however patients want to pay it. Uh, and that gives them access to us. So basically access for visits, for uh, phone, email, text, uh, we're available 24 seven to them. Uh, and, and by doing that, we can offer longer office visits. We can offer better access to them, be available to them and not be burdened by insurance to see a certain number of patients per day or to do anything uh, in that way. We're really employed by the patient. So um, you know, we, I love it. Um, couldn't imagine practicing primary care any other way. And, uh, like I said, we're almost, almost at two years, almost at 10 years now, um, doing this. So really excited. And, um, I'm actually in the process of trying to, to hire another doctor for us. We, we really need another, another, uh, clinician here and, and to really continue to take new patients. So, um, I'm thankful for all that. It's great news there, and uh, certainly I want to. I think you said, uh, by the way, as far as direct uh, primary care, that is it eighty percent of your health care as far as uh, spending is with your primary care provider. It's actually ninety percent. Ninety percent. Okay. Ninety percent of your health care is is really primary care, or at least it's outpatient, and that ten percent, the rest of it is really hospitalization, serious illness. Um, you know, that's what you, and that's what we, we still encourage our patients to have some kind of coverage or insurance for those kind of things. And it's important to plan for that, but, but we can basically take care of 90% of your healthcare for a a low monthly fee, really less than um, any um, cell phone plan that I know of. And no, no doubt about it. Mine keeps going up, but that's a whole nother show. As they say, Uh, you do a great job. I know that uh, believe it or not, uh, I've, 
I've been with you for four years and uh, this wasn't about, I know that you're, uh, when it comes to, you're very humble as a person, but you have done a great job looking out for me. So I appreciate that very much. And uh, one of the questions I had was, um, I'm worried about you. I'm worried about all the local doctors when it comes to, uh, can you help us understand, we know about the hospital closing. We're going to talk about that for those just joining us. But how there's a lot of misinformation going around. So can you help us understand? I understand there's a number of clinics that are also going to close in October. Is that true as well? So, yes, um, um, there's a lot of details, a lot of moving variables and all this. Um, and so, first of all, one of the things just to bridge on to our practice is I'm, I'm thankful that because we really work differently, we've not been impacted directly for the most part. Now, as a community, we're we're trying to plan ahead because we anticipate there are going to be more patients who are, who are needing a doctor soon. Because as you mentioned, um, October, I think October 2nd um, is the date that unless someone comes in and, and chooses to operate or purchases the clinics, Smart Valley Medicine, the Roanoke clinics um, as well, then they will cease to operate. So that's, that's a, problem. You've got a lot of patients who have their primary care in those locations, um, especially Martin Family Medicine. And that was actually the practice that I helped start when I moved back right. to Williamson. So it's it's definitely needed, very important service and a lot of patients see are seen there. So, you know, we're trying to do what we can to to help. I've already even we've already taken some new patients um, you know, around that. So um, and we've actually been closed for a while but for new patients. So we're trying to be um, flexible and, and re- reevaluate our, our, our position and all that. But it's um, difficult for the staff, for the physicians and, and clinicians that work there, um, you know, having to find new employment or, or wait to see what happens. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I was hopeful initially, but uh, October 2nd is not long. And right to say that something's going to happen between now and then is probably um, too optimistic in a way. I hope it does. And I hope someone comes in that can operate the clinics or at least keep them running. That would be optimal, but I'm not sure that will happen. And uh, you know, that's, that's a shame. And and part of the difficulty in closing the hospital was um, not only impacting the inpatient care, but also the outpatient care in that way. Let's talk about that. Something that I told you in our green room right before the show that uh, I've lost a lot of sleep. I've slept a little bit better the last couple nights. I think it gets to a point where your body just completely. I know you always told me to sleep more, uh, drink more water. So I'm going to do I'm going to listen to my doctor. But uh, it's been very difficult. I even have uh, neighbors that lost their jobs, uh, 180 people losing their jobs. And uh, my concern is uh, this, uh, the stress not only for we talked about with you guys, with the doctors and nurses and all our, our health care providers, but also I'm worried, Dr. Manning, about our emergency uh, with the, when it comes to any kind of uh, EMS, fire, uh, rescue. Um, they're looking at, they told me a week ago Saturday that 10 calls now, Dr. Manning, has taken 13 hours where they used to take for granted how good they had it having a hospital um, so close by, um, any kind of uh, nursing home patient that has to go to the hospital, an easy transport, a hand probably five minutes away. Um, now they're having to take them all the way to Bertie or all the way to Beaufort or, you know, the medical center. So 
uh, I'm worried as a healthcare worker, as uh, someone who is with ECU Health, uh, the strain we're capable of handling it, but it's still a strain on our healthcare system as well. It, it is, and our EMS um, staff are already feeling it. Um, they were, in some ways, probably already strained to some degree, but now even right. more having to go to Tarboro, Bertie, Washington, and um, that's that's not sustainable for long term. Um, and I think even the commissioners need to, hopefully they realize that's going to, it's going to cost some money in the long run too, um, to either hire more staff or be able to continue that, that going. Um, and, and I think it's going to really become a problem. Um, it already is. And I think from a community standpoint, you know, we, we love, ultimately we'd love to, to reopen the hospital, have all those jobs back in place. But at a minimum, I think we need to have at least some emergency access. You've got to have, and the proposal that um, that several put together was for a nine-bed um, ER and a six-bed observation. And that would at least provide a place where um, you could at least triage patients, assess the need. Um, if, if it can be addressed there, then transfer out once they're stabilized. But you need the ability to stabilize patients and address the heart attacks, strokes, the acute things that need to get in quickly uh, and not have to have a 20 minute or longer drive um, right. to get there. And it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to also tax our EMS staff on site. It's going to take them longer to assess patients. And if, if they're given the ability to, to do more on scene, that's going to also take longer. Um, and, and if you already have not enough people for each shift or each um, each call, and you're getting more calls to different areas, it's it's not a it's not a good situation whatsoever. So we've got to remedy that, um, and that's the the EMS side is part of that puzzle. And I've got some more questions for you, but uh, we're going to be taking if you're okay with it, taking questions tonight. Sure. We have on YouTube and Facebook. I appreciate uh, all the people to a lot of people tuning in. Big fans, I know of Dr. Manning. In fact, uh, Monica says. Just joining, I'm currently in the ED with my son. We had to call 911 today for my son. Possible seizure. We were sent to Tarboro, still here. Mm-hmm. And this is her question uh, for you, Dr. Manning. Monica says, my question is, uh, since surrounding hospitals are becoming overwhelmed, could a mobile unit be put in place temporarily? Um, that's an option. I, I don't know the logistics behind that, um, but... Uh, it's it's possible there's some options like that. Um, I know we have the urgent care here in town now, which is is good. I'm glad that's there for a lot of patients, uh, but it's still not a, an emergency room. Um, for right. a situation like or some of the seizure, you really need the capability to evaluate that patient effectively with imaging, lab work, physicians, and the right clinicians who are there that can evaluate and then and then stabilize address the problem and then have them go wherever needed. But if you're having to go longer distances, you're having to get and, and then wait wherever you are, that's, that's not good. And so a mobile unit, um, um, maybe uh, it's possible. Uh, I know there's some mobile units that travel different areas and provide different services. I'm not really sure if there's a, a true emergency um, access. I know some of that sort of came up with COVID um, I know the state supplies some of those kind of things. I don't know if it, this would be 
considered an emergency, although it feels like it, and maybe maybe it will qualify in some ways. Um, that's not actually not a bad question or a bad thought to uh, consider that as an option. Yeah, good point. Dr. Manning, one of my questions would be, okay, so I know when we talk about the bottom line and you're a small business owner, um, so we talk about bottom lines and all that kind of stuff, but is there a way, and I, I do agree with you 1,000% that we need to at least start with having an ED. Is it possible that, in other words, we we get the ED back open like you're talking about, nine bed ED, six bed observation is it a way that we could do this incrementally? In other words, we've got to get the ED back open, uh, and then we could uh, look at taking like uh, baby steps, if you will, to get the hospital fully functional again. Or is it just going to be where we our best bet is just for the ED only? Well, I think I think got to start there um, and start small, right? Um, but I think to some degree, and, and as a business owner, you know, and and part of this relates to the model that we use. It's, it's simple and keeping things as simple as possible is, is really important. And when you talk about a hospital operating, there's a, there's so many different pieces of the puzzle, even expenses that, that you have to factor in. But a lot of times the, the, the cost, um, all of those specific pieces are, are maybe not always, um, as transparent or as, as cost effective as they could be. Um, and so when you're, if you're really trying to run a hospital, um, I think in a way we could really restart this with the right focus of, okay, being, looking at cost benefit um, analysis and re- really reducing the cost to, to really, or even charges to what costs really are, getting that more accurate. You're not overcharging for for small things, um, and you're keeping the overhead lower so that you don't have those huge expenses. Now, I know a hospital is very different. You have a lot of a lot of people, a lot of equipment, a lot of um, a lot of things that have to be paid for, and so that's part of it. But I think when you start small, and you can really bring in the essentials, um, maybe you know, not over, overextend by adding everything back in. And then you can build that properly and then add on, uh, you know, sequentially. So I think that's, that's important um, into making it a, a sustaining process. But, you know, the, the proposal we, we put forth to the commissioners was to establish the hospital as a rural emergency access hospital. That's a state designation that would, um, to my knowledge, would allow funding some funds from federal and state entities that would help that process. Good. That's, that's part of it to offset the, the expenses. And even, I don't know how, you know, as far as the debt that the hospital has and how that, how that matters and all this, but that's another factor, but at least to have some, some income um, and then be able to then operate, get reimbursement from insurances, which is also income and then pay off those expenses or be able to take care of running the hospital to pay staff and all the equipment. So there's, there's lots of possibilities, but I think the key is in my mind, there, there are two keys. The first one is local run that you've got people who are, who are from here, who are in the community, who are able to, um, to run and operate the hospital who have a vested interest in the community. It's not someone from Timbuktu who has no idea how, 
the community works. That what that does is it it puts the onus on those people because it's their hospital, it's our hospital, it's a community. And two, it, it also reinforces the community itself to then hopefully trust um, those and people. Those, but the hospital again, that you know, there's it's no no um, surprise that you know a lot of patients didn't want to go to Martin General, um, and they preferred to go somewhere else. And there's a lot of reasons for that. But I think in order to rebuild that trust to make Martin General your first choice again, um, you've got to have, you know, people you know that are, are held accountable, are transparent, um, and they're running things. So locally, locally operated, is, I think, is, is important. Um, and then, you know, that piece of starting, starting slow and kind of working your way up to whatever we can provide. Having an inpatient service where hospital, patients can be admitted to hospitals, I think, is really important in our community, but I don't know that we can start there first. We got to at least have that emergency access and go from there. Right. That you've, you read my mind, I guess great minds think alike. I was that local control part. Um, it's always worried me that a, a company from a different state, you know, and I'm not going to get into all that, but when you said local control, uh, somebody like a Dr. Stephen Manning, you make a great point. You, you and your wife Candy and um, and your children, y'all could have been anywhere, um, but you chose to come back here uh, to Martin County, to Williamston, to open up a practice, which says a lot. And that's kind of like the vision of what Brody School of Medicine is all about. So the local yeah. control is that something that, like yourself and other doctors, could be like a, a board, uh, maybe a hospital that's board that you could, you guys could do that. That's the idea is to have a board of, of people that um, are involved and, you know, the C, whoever the CEO is, the hospital, um, you know, physicians involved, several community members, people who have a vested interest. And they would they would be the that group that would be the, the go to. Um, and I, I think the so far, the commissioners have been um, have heard that uh, that proposal. Um, a lot of that depends on the state budget. And that passing the state budget that would then allow um, that designation to occur under the rural health um, office of rural health in North Carolina. And then I don't know as far as that, that affects the funding and all those things. So lots of different pieces that have to happen first and who knows how long that may take. That's, that's a, another problem. But, um, you know, I, I think it will be tempting for the commissioners to, um, to look at, um, other people who have come up now and have said, well, we can now take it over and maybe offer some things um, and um, utilize those same funds that, that we're trying to get access to from the state or federal level and operate it. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that's it's tempting to, to maybe go with that or someone who's a, a company or, or another operating entity. Um, I don't know if that'll be the best option or not. I think the community has to be clear about what it wants. I think um, each, you know, the community as a whole needs to needs to communicate to the commissioners. This is what we want with our hospital. Uh, we want it. If you want it locally run, then that needs to be clear. If we want whatever to happen, that needs to be crystal clear to them. Um, and I hope they will listen because that's what they're elected for. Absolutely. When you're talking about local control, I am I am curious about that because you make that great point. Um, when you talk about transparency, when you talk about accountability, that's what leaders do. 
and we really need that right now. And I do believe that we need to pass the state budget because you're talking about that. That um, I know that last week when you were on Talk of the Town with Henry was asking you about Henry Hinton, that is, uh, out of Greenville, was asking you about Medicaid expansion. I know that's not the end-all, be-all, so let me say that for everybody that doesn't believe in Medicaid expansion, but you cannot argue that it would not help some, at least in our case, it would help us. Even if a little bit of help is better than nothing, in my opinion. Yeah, there's a lot of, um, and, and Medicaid expansion has been talked about for a, for a while. And part of the, the, the part of the um, desire to pass that is because of rural hospitals and that it would provide some additional funding for those rural hospitals like Martin General and the fate we've, we've come through now. And the reality is there are lots of hospitals across the nation that are in the same boat. We're, we're dealing the same issues. And we realized that, you know, just getting getting federal funding or getting additional monies to open the hospital back doesn't fix the problems. We've right. got to have, as, as you begin to, that process and, and start running it again, you've got to be able to fix those issues that created the problem in the first place. Um, so, so Medicaid expansion, although will help, it won't fix the issue. Right. You've got to have some ongoing uh, analysis to really see, okay, what areas need to be addressed um, and, and how can they be addressed to, to maintain um, the hospital running for, for a long time, not just for the, you know, for a few months uh, you've got to really, uh, really establish that. And I, and I think part of that is really starting small, uh, not overextending ourselves, right. um, having the right staff for that, for that small ER whatever it is, and then building from there. I do believe we're going to have the hospital. Uh, um, people are, are um, my frustration and my uh, not being as positive uh, is because of uh, how long I feel like it's going to take. And I have no, and I'm not an expert. That's why I lean on you. Uh, one of the experts in the healthcare field. And uh, my frustration is, uh, one of the questions I had, and you may not know, but I'm going to ask it so that hopefully we can find out, is uh, the the deal with the bankruptcy. So my question, like now with um, all the way down to just a basic where the former employees can't even get their uh, things out of their offices or they have to leave things or different things, leave it the way it is. I'm just really frustrated with that right now because that seems to be like a lot of red tape and it's... Uh, is preventing our our people basically from having basic health care or access to health care. Yes, yes. And so, and I don't know if, if folks really know this, but um, so Community Health Systems was the parent organization that purchased the hospital back in 98. Right. Um, and um, so that was a multi-million dollar deal um, paid to the county uh, to operate the hospital. The building itself is still owned by the county. Right. But they had the right to run the hospital for, um, um, I think it ran out in 29. Um, so it was 30-year contract, basically. So so a few years ago, um, CHS um, subsidized into Quorum. One of the companies was Quorum to operate several small hospitals uh, that they have. And Quorum became the operator for Martin General. Um, and so... You know, over the past probably one to two years, um, I've served, well, I've served for many years as the vice chief of staff, and we were aware that the hospital 
had ups and downs, had difficulty at times, like a lot of rural hospitals. And, you know, over the past probably six months to a year, Quorum has had voiced interest in wanting to sell the hospital um, and get out of the contract early. And, you know, we recognized that was a problem and, and the revenue overall had been declining over time. Um, you know, some of that we could sort of look back maybe to uh, even stopping the uh, OB uh, services in the hospital was you know, just part of that writing on the wall that we saw that happening too. And, right. and realized that the number of patients coming to the hospital, the number of services offered was decreasing, it, just not a good trend. And so it, it didn't happen overnight. Um, as a whole, we, we knew there were problems, tried to fix some of those things. Um, and, and of course, Quorum discussed with the commissioners multiple times and wanted to sell the hospital, um, groups like Affinity, um, others voiced interest in possibly purchasing the hospital for operation, but none of that ever came to fruition and, and really wasn't any really good, good deals that would be um, in favor of the county. Uh, and so it, I think in my mind, what it appears is that Quorum got to the point where they just decided they couldn't do it anymore. And rather than finish out the five and a half years of the contract, they just decided the only way to get out of this is declare bankruptcy. And so they did. And so that that happened. Hospital ceases to operate. Um, now, that's not good for anybody. Uh, not good for the county, not good for the, for the citizens, not good for the employees. And we're, we're now we're talking about the repercussions of that. But the bankruptcy side also throws major obstacles in this because the trustee holds the uh, complete power over the, the building itself. Right. Uh, so as you said, employees can't get their personal items. Um, people that have been servicing the hospital uh, for physical therapy, for other things like that, can't get their equipment out uh, until the trustee decides that they can. And that could take who, who knows how long. We've, we've, we've heard that it could take six to 12 months for that process to go through wow. for the bankruptcy to be to be finalized and done. So I don't know if that will take that long. I really hope not. But uh, so really major, major problems with how this all happened. Um, and, and as we've said, there's there's no reason to point blame. It's not going to really help move forward. Um, I think we need to learn, learn from it and um, recognize that, uh, again, when you when you don't, it, it's phenomenon of having this entity quorum healthcare that that only a few of us really even know any of the leadership in. Uh, you just don't you don't know them. You don't know who they are. You don't know what they're about. Um, and you know, again, back to community focus um, is crucial in all this. So it, it's just been a problem in all that, and um, didn't happen overnight. But it, and it's not going to be fixed overnight. But We've got to make some the right steps going forward to make sure this is a community hospital. I like that because like we talked about one of the things back in 98, when there was a chance for at the time Pitt Memorial to buy it outright um, back at that time, it, uh, I was saying that was a local, basically a local regional company versus someone in Tennessee um, when you talk about local control, I think one of the things that's missing for a lot of people right now is that one word, the T word, trust. And there's yeah. a lot of people, there's a lot of lack of trust right now in our leaders. Um, and again, we're not, our purpose of the show tonight was just to try to gather information 
um, to try to, how can we, I, I'm at the point now, I'm not pointing fingers. What I want to know is like, I don't care who it is uh, politically. Um, it's Democrats, Republicans, independents. I don't care. I just want my hospital open back and our hospital open back and it, it, whoever it is that can open that hospital. Um, right. Is there any, uh, I know you're not a lawyer, but is there any legal pressure or anything that we can put on uh, quorum health or anybody when it comes to bankruptcy? Because to me, uh, we had a situation and I don't want to name the person and I'm not, but we're having people die on the way to the hospital. I'll just put it like that generically. And that really bothers me. And uh, especially when I can walk to the hospital right now, I live three blocks. My daughter fell out of the uh, back door uh, several, about six years ago. And we took her there and they cleaned her up. She had febrile seizures uh, back in 2017. Um, but thankfully she's not epileptic. It was just because the fever obviously spiked. Um, but having a hospital that close by Dr. Manning is paramount. And none of the other things we're talking about in our community right now that are, are very important to me matter until we get that hospital back open. And so that's why I wanted to have you on tonight is that like the pointing, I just want to tell our community, there's nobody that's more mad than I am. Um, I'm, I'm really mad. I'm out um, outraged. There's a lot of emotions that are going through me and I may have to talk to you about <laughs> some other prescriptions, but uh, that's a personal and a separate uh, thing. But I just wonder, like we have a term that we use in management at our hospital, constant general pressure. Is there a constant general pressure that we can put on our leadership um, to say, hey, we want the hospital back open now. Like, what can we do that we're not talking about obviously illegal activity i'm not saying that right. but how do we get that hospital uh, open when you know the bankruptcy i'm like man it just seems like that pushes things further and further down the road right it, it does and so i know that um last night the commissioner's meeting uh which was closed they um they did decide to hire a consultant um that would help establish um evaluation of some of the groups had a, that have mentioned or trying to like the group that um, I mentioned earlier, uh, wanting to, to operate the hospital or the options we have. Um, so they've, they've agreed to that. And then I think that that, that person would also work with the, um, the legal entities, both with quorum, the bankruptcy and the County to establish what, what can we do and can it be done faster? Uh, so that's my understanding. That's that's trying to happen. I'll also tell you that um, many of the employees of the hospital um, sent letters to local, uh, well, our um, our district um, uh, elected officials, Don Davis, um, you know, and and the governor, and um, anyone that would listen, basically, and send letters, phone calls, emails, letting them know what's going on, letting them know that we we want their help um, to address some of the, these problems. And I, I think that will help. Um, the governor, of course, came, as everyone probably knows. And hopefully that will also help uh, push along the uh, the state budget um, approval and all those things. Uh, but I, otherwise, legally, I'm not sure if there's anything else we can we can do. It's sort of one of those things that seems it has to have to run its course. But as you said, I mean, it, it, one of the reasons we need to push it is because this is not just, you know, a property um, that maybe right. um, is sitting somewhere unoccupied and, and doesn't impact anyone. This is a property that 
was for saving lives. Um, and even though maybe everyone didn't love it um, at every moment, it was still a necessary entity in the county. And I think that hopefully that's one of the silver linings in all this is that we we realize how important it was to have a local hospital here. Um, even if it wasn't your first choice for healthcare, um, it's still important to have a hospital that you can go to and that people who live even in walking distance um, can't get to because they're, they're right. not able to um, physically. They have a condition that they can't even get that far. So they have to have um, the ability to get where they need to get when they have a medical emergency. So I hope that that becomes clear um, to all of us and how important it is to, to have that in our backyard. Um, and, you know, and I understand, um, I, you know, and I'm, I'm very transparent. I'll, I'll tell you what um, I'm, I'm no expert necessarily on a lot of things, but I do know how healthcare works and I do know um, how to take care of patients and what's needed and, and I understand when patients tell me that, um, you know, I, I would go to, to Martin General and before I got home from the before I got home from a hospital visit, I had a bill waiting for me. And so I understand that that puts a sour taste in your mouth and you really don't want to go back there when you're getting that kind of harassment, so to speak. Um, and, you know, I, I can't blame them to a degree. Um, but I, again, I think there are ways you can do things, as you said, that build trust. And when you don't know the people and you're getting a bill for a hospitalization that maybe you had a good time, maybe the staff were great, maybe everything about it was a great experience. And then you got that bill and you thought, well, you know, couldn't they have waited a couple of days before I got home and got settled? You know, it just, it just irks people the wrong way. And again, when you know, the people, the operating process, and and we on the other side can can put things in place that that really focus on building that trust, and again make make whatever we can offer the first choice, not the third or beyond. And wouldn't you say that one of the things that we could do, um, you know, that I have a obviously a broadcasting background. One, and I know that things cost money and uh, all that, but wouldn't a marketing, some kind of marketing campaign, for example, uh, when it, when the doors open back up, you know, to instead of driving by your community hospital being Martin General uh, to give us a chance, you know, to earn your trust or something. And then, you know, if uh, and I will say this to our friends that are you know saying, you know, Dave about, you know, Martin General, every time that my you know children, uh, my with my, my daughter especially has gone, they've, they treated us great. I got, we got excellent care from the ED. Um, so I, um, my concern is with the whole thing of, I think the, I guess it's public perception is the right. word um, that hopefully that's the right word to use. The perception is like, you see a small hospital that means less than when the reality is we've got to have the hospital. Another thing, Dr. Manning, that I wanted to bring up, is that our town doesn't talk enough about is we were rated number six in the state for retirees. Mm -hmm. And my concern is, okay, that's great that we got that, uh, that destiny, I guess for a destination for retirees, that voting, which was awesome. Um, we need to promote that more, but also would retirees come to Williamston if we don't have a hospital and yeah. access to healthcare? 
exactly. That those are long, those are downstream effects of this. Would new families move in the community? Would not with no hospital. Um, so it, we have to look at all of the things that's going to impact and and make a solution that's going to help remedy those things to make Martin General a place people want to come to. If there's no hospital and there's no major employer, it was the second largest employer in the county. Right. Uh, how are we going to bring in new people that that want to be here? So that's a that's a big problem, and and we have to we have to put that as a piece of the puzzle. Um, so it's as you said, a lot of a lot of moving parts, and 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 it is it is per, perception. A lot of it is, um, but the reality is most of the time, um, you know, the the ER staff, the the docs. Um, the nurses, um, everyone involved. And I know, uh, you know, not all the staff at the hospital, but a lot of them, they're all great folks. I mean, they are, they are great clinicians. They are great at their jobs and they provide a great care. In fact, if you look at our inpatient data and how well we care for patients and readmissions, all the parameters we look at every month to evaluate our hospital, we were always above average, above the state average. And in, in even in many places, better than our other local competitors around the area. So, you know, patients, but again, trying to get that word out to the community is, is harder. And again, sometimes you have to get through some brick walls to, to really penetrate that knowledge to say, well, you know, the care actually is, is better in a lot of places. And I've, I've observed there's a phenomenon that occurs everywhere. Uh, when you live in a town and you have a hospital there, um, you know, as, as we say, negative news travels really fast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and so if anything, if anything negative happens, you're going to hear about it. And what often happens is that you hear about all the bad things that happen in that local hospital. And the assumption is that, well, the hospital over there, in our case, Vidant or ECU, is better, must be better. And in reality, the same things exist at that hospital. You just haven't heard about them and you don't live there. So you, so they're not in the community that we're in. And, and then the assumption of those who live in the bigger hospital like ECU is that UNC or Duke is better because they don't hear about those things there. And right. so there's this propagation of, well, the local hospital can't be as good because X, Y, and Z. When in reality, the the same services if the same services are offered then in in fact it actually may be better um, because th- sometimes there's not as much um, in the way of providing that care in a smaller hospital than it is in a bigger um, multi specialty um, you know major medical hospital so um, you know again changing perspective and I think as you said a marketing campaign. Um, or a way to get that voice out is crucial. But again, I think the first step you take is, um, you know, people you you know, people you people that you're familiar with, um, or there from the ground up, um, on the leadership side, not just the clinical side. In Martin General, you'd often go and you would often know the nursing staff or the physicians who work there, and that was a great thing. But I think the missing piece was the leadership um, and, and not leadership necessarily 
at the hospital itself, but I mean the operating leadership from from quorum side, from the from the the business aspect. Right. Um, you know, and and I will say, um, I'll just give a shout out to John Jacobson. Um, he's you know he's moved here. Um, he got sort of thrusted into the CEO role as a, as CFO, um, and has done a great job. Um, and John is John is a community member. He has um, been very helpful. Um, and he's, he's invested in this community. Um, and so he's, he's been, he was sort of the go-to between Quorum and us and trying to figure all this out. And, um, I'm just thankful for, for him being a part of this and for all the guys that are Shavla, that are harsh, um, all the ER docs, all the nursing staff, um, that have been really crucial even now at, at trying to get things back operating and, and propose an option to the commissioners, um, to to pursue this rural health, um, rural access um, hospital designation. You were talking about Dr. Chawla. He, I've uh, heard so many people behind the scenes, I would just say the employees, non-employees that really brag about him. And one of the words I hear a lot about Dr. Chawla is passionate. He's passionate about opening the hospital. And so uh, people like yourself, he, others, like you're talking about Jacobs, like the people we got a lot of great local people, and uh, I, I'm glad I did the show tonight with you that we're doing it because uh, the local control, you've opened my eyes about uh, that as far as being able to run the hospital, that we have enough people that could have the, I guess, the word we hear in politics all the time, the checks and balances, and maybe that was uh, part of missing. Another great point you made earlier that I wanted to touch on, too, is the fact that we need to learn from our mistakes and, you know, we made our mistakes, but we need to learn from our mistakes moving forward so that we don't have, let's say hypothetically, we open up the hospital and we go full throttle and all of a sudden it's shut down in a few months because we're back to my understanding. I don't know. You have the, you know, probably know the numbers better than I do, but I heard that uh, quorum was losing a million dollars a month. I don't know if that's true or not, but anyway, we've got to find a way that we don't lose that. We, meaning Martin County and our citizens that we don't lose a million dollars a month. Right. And, and I think gauging from the commissioners, I think that's probably part of the concern is that um, it's, it's too big of an entity to take on and, and no one knows how to run a hospital locally. Um, And that's not totally true. Um, One of the things that's beneficial with rural health, rural access, rural emergency access hospital designation is that reimbursement actually goes up. So right. that designation reimbursement from Medicare, Medicaid, private insurance actually becomes much more in line um, with, um, with cost. And so that, that also helps offset some of the, the expenditures you're going to face. Um, but again, I, I think part of this is getting back to maybe even re-examining how we actually establish hospitals. Um, it, there's, there's nothing, part of the problem is that overhead is so high, um, right. because of all the things you have to do again, you know, I have the same thing in my office. I have overhead and, you know, the number one overhead of any business is always staff. Um, and it's no different in the clinical office. So you have to balance all that with, um, I've got to make sure that I can pay for my staff. I can get all the equipment we need. Um, and I can run run the office, and so there's no difference in, in a hospital setting. And we've got to find a way 
to just like a small business, ratchet that that overhead down and and be able to run a hospital like a regular business transparently and and figure out what services we can offer um, and what we can do well to be able to to then also bring in that revenue um, and run the hospital and keep it running. And so I think the problem there, if you, if you bought off more than you can chew, that's a problem. Um, hiring too many staff could be a problem initially. Um, so you've got to really be very specific about what we do. And then, as you said, build build that over time um, and what we can offer. So it's, it's and, you know, I, I think if we have, if we don't think outside the box in this, then we're going to be back to the same, right. same place. And, and rural hospitals can't be run the same way we've always run them. We've, we've seen that. And we're seeing that here locally and across the nation. They can't continue to exist the same way they always have. Um, and we don't necessarily need to compete with ECU or other hospitals. Maybe we can offer some specific things that they don't or some unique ways of approaching how we do things. Now I'll say, and I'm not sure, I'm not sure who we discussed this with, but um, you know, I've been asked about whether this is going to become like Belhaven um, and have an, a multi-specialty clinic option like that. Um, and, you know, the answer is we don't really know, but, you know, I would, I would be curious to ask those who, um, who went through this um, there and now having, ha- having that clinic there, how they feel about it. Um, is it a benefit to the community? Um, I think it probably is. And what they're doing yep. is, is good and it's been beneficial in the long run. Hard to see maybe then, but at the same time, and they're offering what they, what they need to. But, and we've got to think, we've got to think about the same thing. What is the county need? Um, what are the services we need to offer? And let's do that. Um, let's, let's find a way to do that and start off doing the, the first necessity and then build from that. I think that's going to be crucial. And it doesn't really, I don't think it matters as much how it looks or what the entity is called or, or what exactly it, it formulates to be, but how can we do that and do it successfully is really the, the important question. You make a great point about, we talked about earlier about it's basically like baby steps. So me personally, obviously I want the fully functional hospital, but I know that like we talked about, we don't want to make the same mistakes with overhead and everything. So we start out with the ED and then the right, you were talking about the handwriting on the wall, the two I've always heard and maybe I'm wrong because I'm on non, I'm in non-clinical and I'm not in finance. So I can't speak to that, but I've always been told that the birthing center and your, uh, whenever you have your ICUs are the two of the most profitable. If you're talking about a business part of the hospital, those are the two most profitable parts. So I hope that what we can do is open up the hospital as an ED, like you said, a nine bed ED, um, and then the six bed observation. And then we can say expand and, and truthfully folks, the only way that this hospital is going to work is if we, meaning myself and others support the hospital in whatever ways. And, I'm just wondering with the whole birthing thing, I know that we have less people that are, you know, obviously live here, which means there's less births, but at the same time, we do have a lot of people that, you know, that are getting 
they're the babies are being born outside of the county. Is yeah. that something once we expand? Is that something that we could say, hey, uh, you know, don't you want like a pride thing? Don't you want your baby born in Martin County? Yeah, that's uh, that's been happening that's tough, for a while. It is, and and you know we that that service ended the hospital, and, and then we we did have an, um, a gynecology office here in town um, for a little bit. And now that's gone, right? And so some of those services that which were OB and God, um, those services are no longer there. So, and I don't know if um, uh, I think the the volume was good. they were seeing a good number of patients. Uh, but at the hospital side, we it was a drastic difference. Um, you know, usually we would see somewhere around 30 to 40 deliveries a month. Um, and it was down to to very few. Um, wow. Usually around 300, I want to say, if I remember right, uh, deliveries a year. And it was down. It was, so over time, it really drastically decreased. And we're seeing that people would not not come into county for for their prenatal care and for their deliveries, they would go outside the county, either to Washington or to, to Greenville mostly. So we've again, rethinking that process, but at the same time, not, not harping on that too much to say, well, is that, is that the most, the best use of our, our focus to, to change the mindset on that? It's going to be hard to change that mindset. Uh, I think there's, um, there's certain things that can be offered maybe there that we weren't offering here at the time. And so people would, would just want to go there. Um, but I think, again, at some point, if that's needed and we say, okay, we're seeing people want to stay here for not only their emergency care, but their inpatient and, and now their OB care, then we reevaluate that and, and offer that again. Um, but I can tell you, it's still hard for those patients who are on bed rest and they need to get to a physician quickly. Um, if they have something happen with the pregnancy, now they've got to travel to Washington or Greenville to uh, to get that. So um, it's that's a problem. Um, and for the past you know a year and a half or so, our emergency room has been has been tackling those issues and then getting the patients out. But and that's still needed, of course. But um, we'll have to see what what the future holds with that as well. One of the questions I had is a long-term question, but is uh, because right now all I care about, like I said, is to open up the ED part uh, to get something. We've got to have that open, um, that access open, number one. Um, obviously, we need to have the helipad. We don't have access. I'm really upset about that. Um, we're not in a third-world country. We're, I mean, it's just amazing. But anyway, um, my question is, uh, I've been told, I don't know this, so forgive me for those employees listening tonight um that the building is not in great shape um and that uh, the certain places uh need to be there are things that need to be repaired and so going back to what you're talking about the reason i bring that up is the very fact that if we had local control we can take that money that we make and i'm not trying to make a negative out of what i'm talking about you understand where i'm going sure but if we have you you're making my mind like one you know, like really think really hard about the local control, we can take that money that we make instead of it being profits over people, we can make that money and put reinvest that money back into the hospital where we can fix the things that, you know, just like you made a great point earlier that we all know 
this problem didn't happen overnight. So my, my thing is why not take that money and put it back in the hospital and later on, you know, we have 23 acres. Is it possible to, this isn't a short-term thing, but a long-term thing. Can we build a more modern facility that would focus on where we'd have uh, with the technology and everything. Um, I don't know. I know that uh, that's not something that's going to happen. Uh, we'll get the ED access before we get a new building, but I think that's something I'm very, you, you and I are like um, visionaries. I'm, I'm one that the short term is to open up the ED, but we also have to be thinking like you talked about to be financially responsible um, where this doesn't happen again. And also, we need to be forward thinking on um, what can we do for our citizens down the line that we can save this money and eventually we can build a new facility. And I feel like we could do it on the same property. But that's something, again, that's my long term, not my short term. So I want to make that very clear. Don't for people watching the show tonight, don't think I'm saying I want to build a building in the right now. Right. No, that's and that's a good point, though, that uh, and that's. It goes back to to what Quorum has been doing for a while. Um, I don't know if people know, but we haven't had mammogram capability, uh, bone density capability, for for at least probably a year. Uh, that's an estimate uh, because they haven't fixed the machine. So we every patient needed a mammogram that wanted to, to stay here in the county. We had to send out for those services, oh, and those those are reimbursable services. So those things weren't weren't the investment wasn't made to fix it because it was going to cost money. And, and I understand you're already losing money, so why are you going to fix something that needs to be fixed? But, again, you're also getting revenue from that service. So, you know, and one of the things, that, one of the, the crucial pieces of all this um, in the local, the proposal for this local entity would be not be nonprofit as a right. nonprofit group. Um, and as you said, basically money that, that's gained by the hospital goes back into the hospital to then take care of those kind of things, um, upfit whatever needs to be upfitted uh, or expand. And as you said, at some point in the future, the best option may be um, to to start over with a a new facility that may be tailored specifically to what we need. Right. Um, And is is it it, does it look exactly like the same service we had? Maybe not. you know, I hate to see an empty building sit there. Uh, we already have enough of those in the county. Uh, we don't need one more. But um, if it's if it's better to have an up-to-date um, facility that specifically has what we need, then that's that's good. It may be the best thing for us. But, you know, again, time will tell. Um, I think that's right. as you said, a future question. And right now the key thing is really getting back to to uh, what we what we really need which is at least offering emergency access, reduce the strain on the emergency EMS staff, um, give patients a place they can go for emergency access, then to get wherever they need to get to from there um, and reduce any any downstream uh, medical consequences that could happen from not having emergency access. And even in our clinics, we have nowhere to send someone if they come in the office and... Um, they have an acute need and we can't deal with it here. And we've got to basically call EMS and say, well, you're going to have to go to Washington, Tarbur, Bertie, wherever we can take it. And, and those places are already also getting overrun with patients. 
Uh, so the the person who asked the question earlier, they may be sitting there because they're already getting you know lots of calls. Um, last Wednesday, I was sitting beside one of the EMS workers, and he showed me the calls they had just gotten in the last few hours, and how they were all going different places, and how taxing that was um, to our staff. No doubt, we've got a few comments really quick before we let you go. I appreciate you staying the whole hour. Um, very, very much. And knowledge is true. Says, hey, y'all, thanks for doing the show. Um, Monica says about, uh, this is about, I think, uh, she's talking about the hospital. Unfortunately, it's impossible to make everyone happy all the time, and complaints are bound to happen within the medical field. Good communication, having the right team and management team in place, and, and that we can agree on, Absolutely. definitely on that. Um, she says, yes, and attend all the board meetings. I agree with that. Well, I think yes. one of the good things that's come of this is uh, I use the term, and I'm using this about myself, fat, dumb, and happy. Um, we are, I'm a single dad trying to raise my kids, three sports each. We're just kind of like in a rat race. And we, you know, the, uh, the, there was a song by Cinderella years ago. I can't believe I'm using the song, but don't know what you got till it's gone. Yeah. And I think we're feeling, I've heard so many people that are employees and people that are citizens. Um, you want to talk about how much this affected the community. I'm, I'm amazed across the board how many people have talked about the hospital closing. And um, here's another one. Knowledge is truth is saying after they close the session, they must reopen to vote. So uh, don't leave when they close sessions. Yeah. And then um, at, and one more thing, she says exactly getting picked up in the house field. Um, I think uh, for us, I think for us, like we talked about, there a lot of good things could come of this. I've met a lot of great people. Um, that I, some already knew um, that I haven't had a couple neighbors that lose their job, unfortunately. And then uh, I've met a lot of great people. I hate that I met them under these circumstances, yeah. um, but a lot of great people that are, we talked about Dr. Chala, but there's a lot of nurses. And I know you talked about doctors mm -hmm. that they're just chomping at the bit. Uh, they want to get back to yeah. their, what they do for a living. It's not a job, Dr. Manning. It's a career. Right. It, well, and it was their home. I mean, right. many have said this is this is our second home. We've been here. Um, I know one one person had been there since age nineteen. I mean, and worked there. So it's like you're you're just taking their home out from under them, and that, that's it's it's not um, not good. And I, I guess I am thankful that the job market is is good, and there are many employers who are coming out and having job fairs and different things, and that's that's great. But I think those I think all those folks would rather go back to Martin General for their for their work. Um, so I hope we can offer something. Uh, but again, the problem, too, is the longer this lasts, the more gotta, likely those folks are not going to be available. They're going to find new jobs and they have to. Um, so that's understandable. But th th if we delay this and, and the commissioners need to see that they, we need to we need to work on this. This needs to be priority A for them. Thank you. Um, and I hope it, I hope it will be. Um, and again, the community needs to come together and, you know, if there's any a time to tell your commissioner um, what you want as a citizen who elected them to do a job that you pay them to be there for, this is the time, this is the time, you know, and, and hold them accountable to it. And as, um, as the person said, attend the meetings, um, you know, they've had several closed sessions um, but and I hope and hope they will open those back up, um, have more community um, uh, open uh, comments time, uh, and folks can just come in and, and voice their opinions, and that's important. But you know, call them, email them, 
um, find them on the street, talk to them, let them know what, what you, what you're feeling. Uh, that, that'd be my, one of my biggest messages. Before we let you go, obviously we know you're with access medicine. Tell everybody about, uh, again, about your practice for people that are just joining us. And also I've been told that you guys, um, I've known for a good while now, you guys have a waiting list, but talk about, uh, I know that you're taking some of those patients or maybe are you taking all of them? I know you're taking some of the patients on the waiting list. So I want to give you an opportunity yeah. to mention that before we go. Sure. Yeah, we, um, we have had a waiting list. We've not been open to new patients for a little bit because we've been full and, and really that's intentional because the model that we offer um, when we offer basically access to us and to me 24 seven, um, we have to have a, a slightly smaller panel size. So those patients get the best care possible, right. the best quality care at the most transparent pricing, um, all those things in place. And so if we, if we add too many patients to that, we really, we really diminish what we can offer to everyone. So um, the, the remedy for that is to, to hire another physician. So we're in the process of really trying to find the right person. I'm really picky when it comes to that. I want someone who's going to be the right fit for us and the right fit for the, for the community, not someone who's just going to be here for a little bit and leave, um, right. but also has the right mindset about caring for patients and, and really treating every person like their family. Um, so that's what we're looking for. And then, but again, as, as I said, we are opening to some uh, patients. We have a wait list of patients that have been on our wait list for probably a year and a half or maybe more. Um, and uh, so if we have someone, a new higher physician, we'll open that wide open and be able to open up for other patients too that maybe um, maybe not be able to see their, their, their clinician from Martin family or other practices. So uh, we're trying to help uh, help that process. Well, Dr. Manning, thank you so much. This hour has flown by very fast. Thank you for staying the whole time. I didn't expect it, but I appreciate your commitment to the community. I appreciate you being a great doctor, a great friend. We'll let you get to Candy and the kids right now. We appreciate it and uh, love to have you back on again. Hopefully we can, uh, we won't have to have these shows uh, for a long time. I hope that in the matter of months, uh, I would like to say weeks, but I feel like it's going to be months before we get the hospital open. So thank you tonight for coming on. Appreciate you being a great friend and appreciate you being my doctor. Yes, sir. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. All right. All right. Appreciate Dr. Stephen Manning uh, doing a great job there at Access Medicine. If you get a chance, make sure that you uh, contact Access Medicine. They do a fantastic job and appreciate Dr. Manning on tonight. We'll get out of here and we'll be back. Obviously, you can like, by the way, before I forget, uh, you can like our Facebook page. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel. We have uh, sports stuff about East Carolina and, of course, our, all our stuff about the hospital right now. Appreciate it, guys. Hope you have a great night. We'll see you later. Good night. Every yard, every first down, every touchdown with the cannons blast. Get it on, get it all, get the wave going.